Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking with a woman who is a lawyer turned sommelier turned barbecue reality TV star and America's current master of Q. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This episode is super cool. We're jumping all the way over to Ohio and we're talking with Erica Blair Roby, winner of this season of the Food Network's Barbecue Brawl. She's also a lawyer, a mum and runs pop-ups and competes. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about how she how she juggles all that and manages to just nail it all. Now, before we do get into that, I just I just need to run some announcements by you. First of all, I'd like to thank Jagged Wood-Fired Smoker Ovens for coming on board as our partner for this podcast episode. If you're out there, you're in the market for a new smoker, they've got some beautiful smoker ovens, some uh, gravity-fed cabinet smokers, uh, custom asado grills, custom kitchen fit-outs. There's pretty much nothing Glenn can't put together, so contact Jules and Glenn and they'll get you sorted for whatever you need. Now, if you're at the beginning of your barbecue journey, head on over to our website, smokinghotconfessions.com, have a bit of a look around, and a pop-up window is going to appear, and that is your chance to get a free copy of our ebook, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. That was recently awarded at the NBBQA conference over in, uh, in the United States, so make sure you check that out. It's an award-winning read, and it's everything you need to know to go from zero to hero in the world of low and slow barbecue. So smokinghotconfessions.com for that. And a big good morning to everybody who's joining us live right now in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. If you're looking for a family-friendly barbecue group where you can just hang out and surprise, surprise, talk about barbecue, all the other guff is left at the door and we just, uh, we're all friendly, we're all lovely and we'd love to have you join us there. And it's also where we record these live podcasts as well, so you can be a part of the show. Now, if you're watching this later on on the replays on uh, YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up, a subscribe, and hit that notification bell. Over on Facebook, it's all about the likes, the comments, and the shares. Instagram, we love the cute little love hearts on our IGTV channel, so make sure you hit them for us. And if you are listening in later on on a podcasting app, please give us a five-star rating and review. It helps to drive us up the charts and helps us share our love of barbecue much further and wider. But I think that that's about all the blah, blah, blah you need from me. Let's bring Erica in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Erica, good morning or or good evening for you. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Great, great. I, I think our, our drinks are, are opposite this morning. I've got coffee and uh, you have the most interesting looking rainbow cup I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, they're local. I live in Yellow Springs, Ohio. Um, if you know Dave Chappelle, he's basically uh, the it boy of our town and uh, everybody just wants to really promote love and harmony and peace. So everything you see in my town is going to be something rainbow inspired. And so I just luck out because I always like loved it. And now I get to have it on every single thing that I buy. (laughs) Fantastic. That's a great initiative. I love the sound of that. So uh, uh, welcome to the confessional and uh, we'll kick things off. if, If you could tell us what the last thing was that you barbecued. The last thing I barbecued was a Denver Wagyu steak. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, is that is that because the, the Wagyu comes from Denver or is that a particular cooking style that comes from Denver? 
Yeah. So actually I had to research this because, um, I needed to know what the heck I was cooking. So Denver is just a marketing name. Um, it's just a subprimal chuck cut that comes out of the Wagyu steak. And they started calling it a Denver steak instead of like a chuck round or a roast or anything like that so that they could start selling it individually as a steak. <laughs> oh, right. So they basically just invented this this, this new type of steak. I'm sure whoever did was probably like in the airport in Denver and was like, ah, here we go. Oh, right. I thought I thought maybe it might have been like that. They were trying to make a cowboy connection or something to it. That's what I thought. And I was so excited. So I like, of course, researched it. And then they're like, no, it's just for marketing. Sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. So tell me how you like to do your steaks. Are you a direct grill person or a uh, reverse sear person? Yeah. So for the most part, I will direct grill unless, you know, I really am trying to do something to make a photo or to make a statement. And then for anything like that, I'm going to do reverse sear all day long. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a reverse sear fan myself. I much prefer it. That, um, what, uh, what, what barbecue do you do that on? Oops. Sorry. Say it one more time. Uh, what barbecue do you do that on? All right. So you can probably see behind me. I have like the biggest, ugh. let's see if I can take you over there. So I have this really cute little barbecue patio that I set up in my backyard. Yeah, right. Look I don't at know that. If you can see that. <laughs> and so um, usually I'll either use my pit boss, which I just got and I'm obsessed with. <laughs> I'll show you. I will show you this baby because I'm upset. So Pit Boss started uh, making charcoal uh, Kamado style grills, and I and I'm obsessed with that style. So let's see if you can see this baby. Do you see that? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I've been obsessed with that, and I've been using that bad boy for everything. Um, before that I used to use a big green egg and I had a Kamado Joe, which is actually going to a new home. So I had to get it off of my porch. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if you can see that. I yeah, had to I get that, that baby yeah. off the porch. It was so heavy. I, and I had to get it down all these steps. Like, wow. Did you just <laughs> lay it on its side and just roll it down the staircase? You know, I actually thought about it because I was so desperate, but then finally, like, I just waited until my husband came home and I was like, all right. I was like, will you please help me use the uh, dolly to get this down? And we did yeah. and we got it down. It took like 20 minutes. Yeah, they uh, they, they weigh quite a lot. The, the the first barbecue competition that I ever went in, there was a fella um, just across from me who was cooking on uh, big green eggs, and he had like the big large size ones, ones you could barely put your arms around, and he had to put on a furniture removalist's full like strapping kit, and then he had straps that, that he put around the big green egg and like clipped himself onto the big green egg, and then had to like bend, bend from the knees and squat down and give it a big bear hug and stand it up and then sort of waddle it out into the truck. <laughs> I I feel his I feel his pain. I used uh I used three extra large big green eggs to compete in Memphis in May this year, and um, I was the first one that got to our site. And you have to get inspected by the fire marshal in order to pass. And so I had just put them like under the tent because I was like, well, I'm not cooking till tomorrow. So I'll do that. And they were like, in order to pass you, you have to roll them away from your tent. 
and I was all by myself and I was like, oh no. <laughs> but the adrenaline and the like desperation, I was able to move all three of them by myself. It was wow. crazy. And there was a little ledge like this big and that thing almost took me out. That little two inch ledge. And so they just stood there and they just watched you do it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and they were just like waiting with their little ribbon so they could tie it around my site to say like she's not going to burn all of Memphis down. <laughs> okay. So the, the the emphasis was on whether you had the ability to move them out, not the fact that they needed to be moved out. So they Yeah, no, so they, they had to be you. moved out. Yeah, no, right. they had to be moved out, but I think they were enjoying the epic like battle I was having trying to move them by myself. <laughs> nice, nice. The uh, the first sort of major barbecue competition that I went in was also the first one that that, that our city had ever had, and so the uh, the 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 fire and food safety people really had no idea what they were talking about, and they came around, and they said, oh, they they said to me, oh look, you you're going to have to move your your marquees inside your tent, and we want all the walls up. And I no. said, excuse me. I said, <laughs> I said, excuse me. Are you trying to kill me? And they said, what do you mean? I said, the these are charcoal barbecues, but they, they have to be outside and, and in the open air or we're going to kill everybody inside the tent. And they went, oh, yeah, okay, They're okay, like, we, good to well, you know. can leave them outside then. <laughs> They're like, good to know. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit scary actually, just, uh, j- just how little they knew and they were the ones like running around enforcing the rules. See, that's why you always question rules. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, how'd you get into barbecue? Um, I got into barbecue because I had just had my baby and I was at home and I couldn't really do much. So I, after probably about like a month and a half of doing everything else possible in my house, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to go like, look out. Uh, my husband had this gas Weber. We still have it. It's actually right over here. And um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to just start playing on it. And then about three weeks into that, my dad called and we were like going over his bucket list of what he wants to do when he retires. And uh, he said that he always wanted to start a barbecue restaurant. And I was just like, that, let's do it. You know, I was like, and we hadn't barbecued together since I was a kid. I used to barbecue with my dad all the time and uh, more grilling than anything. We didn't really smoke that much. Um, That's just not his style. And, um, but he's great at it. So we started, so we started talking about it. And after that, like, of course, I'm like a very type A kind of person. So of course, well, if we're going to do this, we, we have to know everything and we have to have all, you know, all the rules down. And, uh, I, I started, I started watching TV, like barbecue pit masters and everything like that. And, uh, I would go and I would like run out and practice. I bought, I think, I bought myself a little charbroil smoker. I put it together and it's probably done all wrong. I, I'm pretty sure I messed up the firebox. And, <laughs> and so I just started like practicing on that. And um, then I found out like from watching the TV shows that there's like barbecue competitions and that's right up my alley. I said, I love to compete. Let's go, baby. <laughs> and so I signed up for barbecue competitions in the future. And um I started looking to see like who could teach me competition barbecue. And so I started going through the people that were on that TV show and like Googling them, seeing if they had websites. And the first one I saw was Harry Sue 
and he lived in he lives in Diamond Bar, California, and I lived in San Diego at the time. So I was like, oh, that's just a four hour ride. Let's do it. And so I booked it and I asked for time uh, to go do it. I had a babysitter come and I was like, I'll be back in a day. Like, don't worry. And um, I got up there and I all of a sudden I was just like overcome with fear because I'm like, I'm actually walking into Harry Sue's house. Like he's he's on this property and I'm walking up here and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm on a charbroil. This is <laughs> like, this is going to be so bad everybody else here is probably like a really like serious barbecuer pit master etc and then there's me but I didn't even have time to really like get into those fears enough to make me jump in my car and like turn around as soon as I rounded the corner there he stood and he was so nice and so welcoming and he was just like come in like you know your family let's have fun and uh I was the only girl in the class and everybody there was so nice, though. Nobody, nobody was like, oh, this, you know, little lady. Everybody was so welcoming and so warm. And then all of a sudden, I realized as I started doing more things like that, you know, I went out to Georgia to Myron Mixon school and I spent three days there. Um, wow. Everybody in the community, the barbecue community was so nice. And I really loved that. And after that, the passion just took off and it hasn't stopped. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm 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 curious to know uh just how sleep deprived were you when you decided that I'm just going to open a barbecue restaurant? Like, let's let's do it. Literally, I was like nothing could be worse than like having a newborn. I was like I can face any fear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. like I have stared into the eyes of the ultimate battle. Like I could do anything, fearless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you said that you signed up for competitions. So you didn't just sign up for one just to see how you'd like it. You signed up for like a string of them. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for one for every month. And so I just, I signed up for one because people told me uh, when I started, I was like on like the little websites, the forums, like reading. And so everybody was talking about, oh, you know, competitions, they, they fill up really quick, especially the ones in California. So you better get your name on there quickly. And uh, so of course, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. I signed up for like five back to back. And I had no idea. And how did those first five competitions go? Well, well, we actually ended up going into the quarantine and the lockdown. So I never got to go to any of the ones I signed up for. Oh, wow. Which is, which is probably a great thing because I would have totally bombed and probably walked away from barbecue. Like, well, that was a fun like bar story, but we will never pursue this seriously. So quarantine was a blessing because it gave me you know, almost a whole year of just barbecuing every single day and getting really good and getting really confident. And I think had I had I just jumped out there the following week after Harry Sue's class, like, <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's that's crazy. I, I didn't realize that you were so new to barbecue. I mean, you it, it sounds like you really only started about like 18 months ago. Literally, it really was because, I mean, I... I cooked with my dad as a kid, but then grow, like working and growing up being an attorney, I was always in an apartment. So there's no grill there. And, you know, 
I was in my 20s, so I wanted to go out on dates and be taken out to all these fun restaurants. And um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really play with the grill. I didn't even think about it. I could tell you for decades, I really didn't. As soon as I left my parents' house and I was out on my own, it never even popped into my mind again. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't until I had my own family and realized like, you know, we have to do something as a legacy that this even came up. And uh, one of my friends from high school, um, her family owns Salt Lake down in Driftwood, Texas, outside of Austin. And so I remember just being like, when I finally understood what barbecue was and what it was about, I was so in awe. I was like, whoa, I lived with this girl in high school for like two years. And like, if if I would have known, oh my God, you know, I would have asked her so many questions. I would have went home with her, like, you know, so it's crazy to think about how all of that kind of happens. It's just wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I, I, I love Salt Lake. I was there a couple of years ago. It's a real iconic venue. It's incredible. Yeah. And she, and they were so humble. Like she never made it a big deal. Like in high school, she was just like, oh, you know, we're from Texas. Uh, my family, we run a restaurant. It's called the Salt Lake. You know, when I, when I graduate from college and grad school, I'm just going to go back and help the family. She never, ever once said that she was part of a dynasty, a barbecue dynasty. She's, she's so humble and she never, ever once tried to like ever explain her importance. And yeah. that's just, but that's another thing in barbecue. You see a lot of people, they're just, they're confident, but they're humble and they don't have to go out and like beat through the jungle and tell everybody they're a lion. Like they're just like, I am and I do, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it, it, it's a very uh, interesting type of person that's into competition barbecue. Now I've, I've got a quick, um, uh, like a quick question, something that fascinated me when I was reading your, your bio, um, there's an expression they say, if you want to make a million dollars in barbecue, start with $2 million, which led me to the question of why would you move from law to being a pit master? Because uh, <laughs> you, you're going to be making a lot more money as an attorney than you would as a pit master. So what, uh, why? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. If I could tell you how many times people ask me that because they're just like, it's so crazy. Um, so I loved being a, an attorney. I was a criminal defense trial attorney and I was in Miami, Florida. And that's where I started. I was 24 years old and I was just doing some of the craziest cases and I loved the adrenaline and, you know, I loved the waking up with butterflies in your stomach because you knew that you were swearing in a jury today and somebody's life was on the line and you were going to go in there and fight and give it all you had and, you know, and just like really rely on yourself. And so I loved that aspect of being an attorney. And then as I got older, I got out of the criminal defense side and I started getting into civil law. And so then all of a sudden things kind of got a little slower. Um, you know, I jumped out there thinking like, okay, we're going to roll and go everything to trial. Like, let's just like set it for trial. Let's go. Let's pick a jury. Let's get a judge. And I, people in the civil world were very um, trial adverse because there was so much money on the line. And so basically, if you end up in trial, it's because you guys really failed to work this out. And so that was very hard for me because I had like this, you know, 
racehorse mentality that, you know, we're about to get the adrenaline pumping. But instead, I was just sitting in a box office with like 3000 stacks of paper. And that was my life. And it wasn't going to change. And that was it. And, you know, um, I was missing that, that joy and that passion that I came that I came into law for. And uh, so then I moved to Tampa, Florida. I had my own law firm. I moved to Tampa, Florida with my husband at the time uh, because he found what was his dream job and he wanted to go pursue that. And so he told me like, you know, Miami isn't really my thing. And um, I'm kind of just here for you and to support you and your dreams. And now I'm not, I have a chance to do something for myself. And I really need you to like support my dreams. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm not really tied to Miami. I'll, I'll go with you and I'll just make my law firm work up there. You know, I was like, I'll just, uh, if I have to come drive back and forth between Miami and Tampa, I'll do it, um, whatever. And so then when we actually got into Tampa, it was just like a total switch. And then he had this amazing job that he loved. And I was completely isolated and I was completely alone and I didn't know anybody and I wasn't making any friends. And like every day was just like the last day, you know, I could stay in my pajamas for 10 days and nobody would notice. (laughs) And I was like, this isn't living and this isn't who I am. And I was just about to turn 30 and I was like, I had this kind of like crisis of conscience. And I was like, what are you doing with your life? If you get hit by a bus tomorrow, what are your regrets? Like, what did you fail to do that you knew you were capable of doing? And at that point, I was like, I'm not really enjoying the law. I'm just sitting on a computer paper pushing all day. I'm not using any of my talents, which are talking to people and really connecting with people. So what are you going to do? And I remember I had been a waitress when I was like 16 at this little breakfast restaurant called Bob Evans. (laughs) And so, and I remembered how much I loved doing that. And I remembered how much fun that was. And I was like, well, I still have to wind down my law firm, but maybe this could be the aspect where I do something social. So I'll get into the restaurant industry. So um, I, I went online and I found this uh, wine bar. It was a wine and cheese bar in Tampa and they were looking for somebody, uh, but they said that they were looking for somebody who was, um, who had certifications in wine. So I'm like, well, I drink a ton of it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what other certification do you need? And, yeah, I was like, what other certification do you do? I can tell you about any wine. So then I, started, I Googled wine certifications and I found out that um, a wine expert or a wine steward is called a sommelier and that they go through these courses and they learn about wine and they take this test and it's really hard and barely anybody passes. And right then I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> I was like, what? challenge hard wine let's do this high fail rate let's go so i ended up i ended up signing up for that and i started studying on my own and i took the first test and then um at the same time they had hired me i told them what was going on that i was in the process and they hired me working the wine bar and i found all of a sudden every night all i wanted to do was go to the wine bar like my whole day like i'd rush through my legal work because i couldn't wait to get to the wine bar and i couldn't wait to serve people And so that ended up taking me to California. And I also 
I got rid of my dead weight, which was my ex-husband. <laughs> so I was free. And I ended up going to California, going to wine school, starting over. And through that, I got into the restaurant industry and I got out in Napa. And I found like a lot of people would ask about wine and barbecue, which wasn't really on my radar. But when people would come into the winery and talk about it a lot, it kind of just put a little seed in my head where I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, you know, my dad, he throws down all the time. When I go back home to see them, I'll start, you know, I'll start pairing some wine to a barbecue and maybe come back here and tell people what they can do. And I ended up doing that and I did a lot of it. And people would come to me and they would ask me for pairings. And I was really excited about that. Um, and the, uh, the owner of the winery that I worked at, he actually was one of the original founders of Longhorn. So I was like, this is great. <laughs> I was like, this is great. So he had, he has this really cool restaurant in Napa called Press. And they served like, they, they do still do serve the best steaks and the best everything that you would find. So I started looking at their wine list and seeing how they paired it with, you know, different types of steaks and the aging. And it really just kind of got in there where then I started thinking about it and putting it on the radar. Um, but the barbecue itself, it really didn't come until I moved down to San Diego and I had, you know, my family and then I had all this free time to start figuring out what I was going to do, you know, with my dad and with my son and with my husband and with my mom. And that's really how it just, they all just like came about. But I do remember back in 2012, I couldn't sleep one night and I don't know why I remember this because I have so many nights as a lawyer where you don't sleep. Um, but somehow I accidentally stumbled onto Aaron Franklin, uh, his, a YouTube video in 2012 where he was doing a brisket. And I remember being in my apartment thinking, whoa, you know, I should learn how to do a brisket. I should learn how to barbecue. And I remember like ordering like some of the stuff he talked about. I think I even ordered some of his stuff. It was, if it was available at the time, I'm pretty sure I ordered it. And um, I remember thinking like, whoa, this is really unique. This is really special. Like, and look at this attention to detail and everything he's doing. And I just remember um, going out and buying steaks that following weekend from watching Aaron Franklin at three in the morning. And I, but I remember like doing them on my, on my stove because I, I didn't, I couldn't get grill time because everybody and their mama would take the grills. We only had two grills for a huge apartment complex. So, and then they were like, get to clean it out and you have to do something with the coals and the ashes. So it just sounded really intimidating. So I remember just like practicing, but doing the steaks like on my cast iron inside my apartment. If you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill, Jagged Woodfired has got what you need. Owners Julianne and Glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who have even travelled to the US to compete at the World Barbecue Championships in Houston, Texas. Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now famous smoker ovens, their incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinets are proving extremely popular in commercial settings, and they also make some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever going to see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfired.com.au spelled J-A-G-R-D. Once again, head to jaggedwoodfired.com.au spelled J-A-G-R-D to learn more.
got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. So from there then, you've you've uh, developed this, what are we up to, fourth career now in, uh, in, in wine and barbecue. How do you then get into Barbecue Brawl on Food Network? Oh, now that's crazy. So it's quarantine. So, you know, I just started getting on Instagram and I started finding the barbecue community on Instagram and talking with people and then going going out in the backyard and doing practice cooks. Um, I was staying at my dad's house at the time because my house wasn't ready. We had just bought it before we moved. My husband retired Navy. So we moved all of our stuff from San Diego back to Ohio. Um, but my house wasn't ready because it's like, it had been kind of abandoned. So we had to really fix it up and it was not safe to live in. <laughs> so we were all living at my parents' house and, um, I got a message on Instagram and you know how it like comes into those. Uh-oh, let me get my, it's showing that showing my phone is like dying. Hold on. But you know how you get those like restricted messages and you're just oh. kind of like, yeah. And you don't really look at those all the time. You're kind of just more like, let me hurry up and go through them and like delete them. I don't want a knife. I don't need you know, <laughs> all these things that you don't want. And I saw this one. I saw this one and it said, uh, it said casting director for um, JS Casting. And they were looking at my Instagram page and interested if I wanted to do a barbecue competition show. So <laughs> at first I was just like, this is fake, but something in me was like, it's too detailed to like, just delete it. <laughs> so I took a screenshot and I sent it to my little barbecue group on Instagram asking if it was real or not. And one of the guys was like, no, this is real. I worked with them for a show. Like seriously respond back, like apply. So I did. And I never thought that I was going to get on. Like, I was like, no, there's so many other more amazing people, but why not? I'm literally sitting in my parents' basement doing nothing. Like, <laughs> like just go for it, girl. What do you have to lose? So I, I wrote her back. I said, yes. I filled out the application. And then immediately they were like, let's schedule you for a Skype interview. And, uh, and I'm like, Skype interview? I'm like, who uses Skype? Like, come on, let's stop this. Everybody's <laughs> using this thing called Zoom now. But I was like, I'll play your little game. I'll get on Skype <laughs> once I find my password from like 1991. <laughs> but <laughs> so, so I end up interviewing with her and it was really cool and it was really positive. And um, I got worried because she asked me how many competitions I had done. And I was like, well, I signed up for like seven, but I've done zero except for one online turkey competition like <laughs> so then I'm like oh no there's like I'm too new they're not gonna want me and then they were asking when I started barbecuing and I'm like oh in October like so I knew I had all these things going against me and but I really I was like if you guys could just like see my food and taste my food and see how much work I have put into this like I might be new but I really have dialed it in where I'm pretty good. Um, so then she was like, okay, well, 
here's what we're going to do. We will, uh, we want you to cook five dishes, five barbecue dishes. We want them to be creative and um, take video, take photos of them and send them to us and have it, you know, have it done before, like in two days. So I was like, I can do that. And so my husband and I were running out to grocery stores, trying to like source all these ingredients and half the grocery stores are empty because it's quarantine. Um, half the things on the shelf aren't there. And so we're just, we're, we're literally spending hours going to different grocery stores. We got almost everything we needed. And I said, whatever we don't have, I'll just, I'll work with, I'll work with it. Um, so I started making all the food, taking pictures, taking videos. I went into my Instagram group and I was asking them like, how do I take better photos? How do I take better pictures? And so they were helping me. They were telling me what to do. So I'd run over and I would do it. Um, and then I sent them to her. And then after she got the pictures, I didn't hear from them for about a year. So I was kind of like, I was like, okay, like, it's all right. Like, and when I didn't hear from them in a month, I was kind of like uh, a little bummed out. And, but it had gotten me motivated where I knew that no matter what, as soon as competitions open, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kill it. Like regardless of what happens. Um, but I didn't hear from anybody and I would like go online and I would look and I would see like what's going on. And I didn't know what show it was for because they didn't have a name for the show. So I couldn't even like stalk anybody <laughs> or stalk a hashtag none of that. So I just, I put it out of my mind and I really focused on competing and getting ready to start a restaurant with my dad as soon as, you know, quarantine was over. And then the next thing I know, January, um, 2021 hits and I get a phone call and now it's food network calling. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no, what is happening? Um, and they were like, hey, here's the show. It's gonna, it's Barbecue Brawl. It's season two of Barbecue Brawl. Um, you're not on the show yet. Uh, we're still just gathering finalists, but you are a finalist. And they put me through a bunch more very detailed, very long interviews phone interviews, everything where they were really digging deep into like my culinary background and like my training and my techniques and the why behind everything you do. And I was really happy because I knew the why behind everything I do because I changed and gave up all of my other careers for this moment. So I didn't, I didn't struggle on the why I didn't have the story of, well, you know, I've always done this and you know, I like to eat barbecue. Like, no, the why was I, I picked barbecue. Barbecue did not pick me. Um, and so it, it was one of those things where they were like, okay, we're going to get back with you. We'll let you know. And then the next thing I know, it's like, what's your, what's your availability for the, these weeks and this month? Um, all right, we're going to send you, you know, your plane ticket and we'll see you in Austin, Texas. Wow. And I was just like, oh, my Lord, like, is this really happening? And I don't think I thought it was real because I was very calm the whole time until I actually set foot in the hotel where we were staying. And then I started seeing the other competitors and I was like, oh, my God, that's burnt finger Megan. Like I watched Smoke and Ribbon 30 times. 
you know i'm like please let her be a judge or no please don't be a judge (laughs) (laughs) you know i started seeing all i said i saw chef ara and i'm like that's ara he opened up every single wolfgang puck in the world please don't let him be a competitor like (laughs) (laughs) so then i started getting really scared um and it hit me what i had done and i remember just like calling my dad and being like oh dad I finally sold one wolf ticket too many, and now I'm about to get blasted on a national stage. I, I'll change. I'll go by my middle name so nobody links me to you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what? What did you call it before? A, a a wolf ticket? Yeah. So you know, like a wolf ticket is when you oversell or overpromise something that you know you cannot deliver. Okay. <laughs> Yep, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, they're like, oh, he's up there selling wolf tickets again. Usually it's like if you're getting in a fight and you're at a bar or something and you're like puffing up your chest and talking about how tough you are and how you're going to wipe the floor with somebody and everybody knows that you can't fight. <laughs> they know you're going to need backup. Like, <laughs> they're like, oh, you know, there's Ben selling wolf tickets again. Everybody get ready to go save him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. And so what was the actual uh, like recording process like? Was it, was it everything crammed into a week or was it a month? And then you were, you were working with Bobby Flay as well. The, the, the pressure, like tell us what the actual recording process was like. Yeah. So we were actually there for the full time. And what happens is what people don't realize is you, you will cook for a day or you will cook for two days straight. and you know, you have to get up around five if you, you know, especially for the ladies, if you're putting on makeup and you don't want your face to look tired. So you want your face to have time to wake up and you want to eat something. You have to get up around five in the morning. And then call time was usually like 7 a.m. Uh, if you were lucky, sometimes it was 8 a.m. But usually you were on set getting mic'd up, um, getting everything ready for your station, for yourself, your knives, getting, make sure they're sharp. Um, all that was happening by 8 a.m. every day. And then you were on set just, you know, busting your butt all the way until sometimes 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And then the next day, you're either doing that all over again or you're doing a full day of interviews, narrating everything that happened. It, in those prior two days. So, you you know, you were just like, you're just, you were grinding nonstop. There was no like rest period or anything like that. And then our season was different because we also had to get down there early because we had to quarantine and we had to take tests. And so we had, you had that like week where at first, you know, you're just like, oh man, I wish we could get started. But then once you actually got started, you're like, dang, I wish we had that week again where we were just like, sitting in the hotel, you know, reading cookbooks and like watching Food Network online, (laughs) you know? And so that went the full time. And then when somebody got eliminated, they would get whisked away, they would get taken away. And then the following day, they would do their exit interview and then they would be gone. So you really never got a chance to say goodbye to anybody. And so that was pretty hard because you don't get to say goodbye to your teammates who have become your friends. You don't get to say goodbye to anybody and just tell them like, well, we just shared an amazing experience. You were just like gone. 
So the other stress of it was I never wanted to unpack my suitcase because I didn't want to get comfortable in case I was going to be kicked off the, the next day, the next week, you know? So I was always like sitting there. And then um, I remember when I finally started getting to the end, all of a sudden, like I was out of clothes. So I was in the hotel room trying to rewash clothes that I had brought because I didn't bring enough clothes to really be there for the full time that I actually <laughs> wanted to wear. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, what do I do? Like I need, I need another shirt for tomorrow. And I like, I brought this one, but I never expected to actually have to put it on. So I think in the finale, that's why I was running around in a bright neon pink wool sweater, looking like a neon highlighter. Cause I never expected to actually wear that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but, I'm yeah, just picturing you, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just picturing you like a, you know, washing a shirt in the sink in the hotel room, going, "Wow, I've really made it. I'm still here. I'm having to I'm like wash my shirt." I literally was like, I was hanging things over the over the doors, you know, and then I would like have to call my mom and dad and husband and be like, "Hey guys, um, it looks like I'm gonna be staying for another week. So, like, are you guys cool watching my kid?" Like. <laughs> P.S. Can you send me another suitcase, like FedEx overnight, yeah, please? I should have. I really yeah. should have done that. <laughs> nice, but nice. So it was like that the entire time, and it was just, um, it was intense. And then I didn't expect to get picked for Bobby's team. So, and then I definitely didn't expect to get picked so high. I think I got picked second for his team, and I was really shocked by that. And I think. Um, I think that gave me more anxiety because I was like, well, if I get picked last and then I get cut, like everybody's going to be like, well, you know, she was picked last. I didn't expect to be like his second pick. And so then I was like, oh my gosh, you really have to step your game up. And uh, he was a total sweetheart the entire time. Um, he always had like something encouraging to say. And he was always there to just like really lift uplift you and as as a chef and as a person you know when the cameras were rolling we were all about business because that clock is real a lot of people ask me like oh did the, is that clock real or you know do they like pause it no they don't <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and one of the other things that people um don't realize is they see on tv that we made like three dishes like one for each judge to eat but for the actual show, we would make like six to nine of the same dish. So they all had to be plated. They all had to look the same. And they all had to be done before that buzzer went, before the clock went down. So when you see people on reality cooking shows like really freaking out, it's not because they just are freaking out over three plates. They probably have to do nine plates. <laughs> and then they pick the, pick, pick the three most photogenic ones. Yeah. But then you, but then you have the issue where, um, you know, like on the show, they'll do close-ups of whatever you cooked and they'll show it, like they'll have your voiceover as you're describing it. So you're like, do you want your prettiest ones to go to the, the beauty and the editing of oh. people? So those are the ones shown on TV or do you want your prettiest ones to go to the judges, you know? So, but that's a judgment call that you have to make, um, as a chef, as a cook, as a pit master, how you're going to play it. Oh, so the producers don't choose which which plates go where. You have to choose. 
you have to do it and you have to set them. There's specific tables. So whatever you put on that specific table, that's what's going to go back and be shown on TV. So Interesting. <laughs> so it, it, it becomes strategic at, at, at some point as well. Yeah. Wow. So you're like, okay, I want to make sure that I have a tasty, pretty one for the judges, but I want to make sure like the world sees a very pretty plate too. So what do you do? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And so, of course, you ended up winning the show, and you've now been crowned the the master of Q. What what future opportunities has that opened up for you now that you're one of the number one pit masters in America? It's opened up a lot, and I'm really excited because I always wanted to do something to really propel women forward, um, especially in the barbecue community. But one of the things that I really liked about me winning, besides the fact like, okay, I didn't get sent home and all my friends were taking bets and making fun of me and saying (laughs) when I was going to get kicked off and I got to prove everybody wrong, including my own dad. But But, um, the thing was, is like, I'm actually a very ordinary person and I'm not a trained chef. And I'm older, getting into a new career. You know, I didn't start this at 20. I'm a really average person and I'm comfortable in my ordinariness. And I'm really happy that I won because I've had a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable taking chances. I feel comfortable. I'm going to, I went out and I bought myself a grill. You know, I got a little Weber or I got something like this and I'm going to, I'm going to just try it. I'm going to try and see what happened. And it's been a great moment for me because I have so many people that will hit me on Instagram and I make sure that I respond to everybody, no matter what I will respond to everybody because I believe that that is so important. I was like, you acknowledge people that support you and that take the time to write you or to comment on you. You give them the respect they deserve and you always respond. And it's given me such a great just network of people. Now I can go, I do my own little, um, digital series called the pit stop with loose with Blair, where I go to different barbecue restaurants all around America. I just did like my first two or three, I think I have, uh, that I put out, I'm about to head out to Houston to finish it up for Texas, but I have restaurants that will actually be like, Hey, can you come? Like, will you come and interview us? And that never would have happened, but for me being on, um, barbecue brawl and for winning it. And for just being a normal woman, like <laughs> just being normal, just being a mom, like, you know, it's been great. And I feel like a lot more women are going to get into the barbecue game um, because of just seeing my struggle. And, you know, if you watch the whole season, you'll see like there were times where I mean, I was on the chopping block three times and it's just it's what it is. You know, I was never perfect. And I was never, you know, out there saying I'm a trained chef and I'm this, I'm that. No, I was always just Erica. And when, and you could experience the raw human emotions through me. Like I cried, I laughed, you know, I got angry. There was, there was no pretense and there was no pretension with me. I really was the same person I am at my house and with my friends I was the same person on TV and I was so grateful that that got to shine through. And I hope that that resonated with people so that they'll get out there. And if they're in a career that they don't want to be in or that they're not feeling fulfilled, that they know like, Hey, you know what? Let me go take a chance on myself, invest in myself 
and see where that song in my heart leads me. And I hope that people saw that through my whole journey on this show. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Okay, so that brings us out now to the uh, third segment of the show. And this is where our guests get to share some wisdom, impart some knowledge to the listeners and the viewers. And you wanted to talk about mastering live fire cooking today. So I'm going to just sort of throw the throw it over to you and I'm going to sit back and just take some notes and, and ask some questions. Yeah. So live fire cooking is, it sounds intimidating, but it really isn't. And because it always seemed intimidating, that's exactly why I went head first into it. And if you really think about it, it is the most primal way of cooking. And it's actually very simple. And a lot of people just get intimidated because they're like, oh, flame is touching meat. This is going to be a disaster. But I'm here to tell you that it's not. And what you want to look for is the thickness of your meat, because you're really not going to be using a temperature thermometer or a probe. You really are going to be going purely ancestral and going by smell, sight, and feel. And make sure that it's also a healthier way of cooking because you're not going to over season or over oil any of your meats because you need it kind of almost in as most natural form as possible. You'll just, for me, I just started with coarse black pepper and sea salt and just really letting that rest and having patience and letting that rest into your meat and then go get your grill ready. And when those ashes burn over and they start turning white, that's when you can just lay your meat directly on it and it's easy and it's fun and you're not going to mess it up because you're standing right there and it's quick. I mean, I've done steaks in five minutes doing it this way. Um, I actually tried a chicken wing the other day that didn't work out, but <laughs> <laughs> it smelled good for the first minute, but Live fire cooking is the most authentic form and it's something that everybody can do. And you don't need to have a big fancy smoker. All you need is a bowl. Sometimes you can even make a rock structure. So this is one of the things uh, that I actually do with my son. I'll have him go gather rocks out in the yard and we will use those rocks. I'll start just the bottom of a little Weber or I'll do my pit boss that I have right now and I'll have him go gather rocks and then I'll put the rocks on top of my charcoals and I'll let them heat up and we'll actually cook the food on top of the rocks and of course wash them off first. <laughs> but but it's, it's a good way of just keeping good, clean, simple eating without overthinking anything. And that's something that I really hope that people have more confidence and start trying is just live fire cooking. Go get yourself a pack of ribeyes and just do it directly on the coals. You're going to have an amazing steak. Right. So that's the, uh, the old caveman technique is what they're calling it. Yes, it really is. It really connects you to your roots. It connects you to who you are. And I always tell everybody this, the reason that you're standing here today is because of a pit master back in the day who was cooking over live fire to keep you and your, your generations alive. So you have it in you, just do it and don't shy away from it and get experimental. You can do your vegetables on there. Um, I've also used different type of woods. You can see on my Instagram page, I and actually on barbecue brawl. I did a live fire where I soaked a uh, 
filet and a wine, wrapped it in a towel and threw it right on the coals and cooked it. And it was the best filet that three of the judges said that they had ever had. And that was just a simple primitive way of cooking. And it lends itself to you not messing up because you know you have to take your time and get it on there and get it off. So it's just something that everybody should try. Yeah, sounds delicious. I want to go and give that a crack this afternoon. I think I like that. Yeah, so if you look it up, um, and you can also do it with pork, it's called Lomo al Trapo, and it's very popular in Colombia, but you just soak a towel, a dish towel, wrap up your meat in there, wrap your filet, your beef tenderloin, wrap it up in there. You put a little layer of coarse sea salt. If you want some other seasoning in there, go ahead, hit it with that butcher's twine, and then just throw it like a little envelope throw it directly onto the coals and just turn it once at like the 10 minute point if it's pretty thick and wait until the towel burns all the way through, open it up and you have yourself a little beef present. <laughs> wow. I'm going to have to go it's and uh, look that up. I've never, I've never actually heard of that before. Yeah. And you can see it. I think I did it on episode six or seven on barbecue brawl. So oh. you can see it happening. You can see it going down. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't think it's been released in Australia yet, so I might have to reach out through the internet and find some magic ways of, just, uh, of, of watching it. Or you it. can just go on my Instagram page. I have it. I think I did it two years ago on my Instagram page. It was one of my first cooks. So you can see it there as well. Ah, there you go. There you go. I'll I'll definitely check that out. Well, look, that's probably a good point for us to start uh, to, to wrap this episode up. So I'm going to throw it over to you now. Give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout outs to people that have helped you out along the way. And of course, tell everybody where they can track you down on the internet. So you can track me down on Instagram. Blue Smoke Blair is my handle. And I would be more than happy to talk with you, to meet you, to see what you do. I would love that. And I really just want to thank you for reaching out to me. This was so cool and awesome. And uh, you have an amazing thing that you do. I see that you just clean up at the MBBQA and I love that. And now I see why you clean up because you're amazing. And to all of, you know, my social media pitmasters who were in all the groups with me that taught me so much and to my dad and my family for all the sacrifices they make and to my sponsor, Mason Hill. Uh, they just, they did so much. They went above and beyond. They sponsored a Wagyu beef box for every single week that I was on the show. And I mean, that racked up into the thousands of dollars and they didn't shy away from doing that to show their love and their support for me. So I am so supremely grateful and appreciative. I love you guys all. That sounds like, uh, like, like you got a great team behind you there. So thanks very much for your time and, uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. All right. And I guess enjoy your morning, your day. I'm I'm getting ready for lunchtime. I'm going to go try and find a steak somewhere. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate you. <laughs> Bye. All righty. There you have it, family. That was, of course, Erica Blair Roby from the Blue Smoke Blair team. Absolutely incredible lady, just crushing it at the moment. Uh, in incredibly empowered, um, incredibly dedicated. I mean, we've just heard her talk about not not only not only was she a a, a top um, attorney doing defense trials in like at age 24, I think it was, she said, which is just phenomenal. She then decided she was going to retrain into three other careers, and now in in 18 months, two years of barbecue, she's winning. Um, the uh, the Masters of Q Award on Barbecue Brawl. I mean, 
what a what a dedicated, hardworking pitmaster. That's just a phenomenal story, and I'm really glad that we got to share that today. Now, before we wrap this up and before I let you go, just a quick reminder of the announcements from the top. Huge shout out once again, and thank you to uh, to Jagged Woodfine for coming on board as our podcast partner for this episode and helping us bring you this incredible story today. If you're in the market for, for a new smoker or grill, do check them out. They do some incredibly uh, detailed work. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com, grab yourself your free ebook, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue, awarded at NBBQA, has everything you need to know to go from zero to hero in the world of backyard barbecue. Um, join us in the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community on Facebook. You can be a part of these live podcast recordings, and also it's family friendly. We just hang out, talk about barbecue, and all the other guff is just left at the door. So come and join us. We'd, we'd love to see you there. And if you're catching up on this on the socials later on, do the thing for us. Give us the thumbs up, the shares, the likes, the comments, all that sort of stuff. We would really appreciate that and love you forever. So that really is all the time we have for today. So till next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. Confessions.